Good morning. How y'all doing? Welcome to Take a Walk with Jason B. In today's episode, we're going to talk about some things that we notice or that I notice that's being propelled by fear. Many different things propel fear right now. TV, streaming, movies, magazines, attitudes, all kinds of stuff. I wasn't going to say anything until I really knew I could put my finger on it, but I started noticing the fear that's being propelled around society. So I started ta- taking a walk. I started taking walks around and I just started listening. I started seeing, I started feeling and accepting everything that's come been coming around. Some of it's been good and some of it's been bad. Right now it's a, what they call Mercury retrograde. So it's a time of reset before the spring really starts. And today is actually the first day of spring. Here in Stockton, California, it's cloudy weather, but it's not raining at the moment. And that's fine. So anyway, stay tuned and we'll be right back. So let's get right down into fear. What is fear exactly? How does it all start? Where does it come from? And who's the biggest proponents of it? These are really, really deep questions. I started thinking about this just the other day because I've been doubting some things that are in my life and certain situations. And I started taking a walk here in Stockton, California, and I just started noticing the amount of homeless people. And I've always noticed them. I don't know if there's some kind of attraction of interest. I know that there's a desire to want to help, but also a fear that I don't want to get too close. So as I was walking around, sometimes I want to ask these people, how did you get here? What got you to this position? And then it clicked in my head. I started noticing things differently. I started noticing it wasn't drugs that I could see. It wasn't um, any particular company collapsing. It was a series of events, I guess you could say. So we're going to dive into, you know, what is the definition of fear? So we're going to type it up real quick. What is fear? According to Google. Now, according to Google... It says, it's a noun, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that a someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Another definition, a verb, be afraid. Someone or something is likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Interesting, if you ask me. Now, there's many different types of proponents of fear. So we're going to start off with the first one. In television, um, what I've noticed for the last quite a few years, um, politics especially, commercials, um, even sitcoms, I guess you could say, I started noticing more and more and more about what was so fearful, what made me want to be afraid. Well, in politics, 
um, I'm going to have to admit I'm no fan of Donald Trump. And when he became president, it did create amount, an, a certain amount of fear what he was going to do to our economy. And ever since he got into office, there's always been some kind of politics or talking about how to get him out of office. But he was a crooked man, and I believe that to be true. And that's where really fears come from. Do you make the agreement or disagreement? If you make the agreement that, for example, Donald Trump is the way he is and he's going to destroy our country, you know, it has to have a reasonable, I guess, amount of validity. So what is the th some of the things that, um, that created fear for me about him? Well, a Mexican-American. And during his election process, or his election year, he talked really badly about Mexicans and how bad the people are and that were thieves, murderers, and rapists, and drug dealers. Now it was all a ploy to awaken, I'd have to say, the white Anglo-Saxon movements that have kind of been nullified. Some people might call those neo-Nazi movements, but I, I really don't care to give weight to that exactly. But he did want to give power or a platform to an agenda of white America. Now I am half white, so I don't hate myself. I don't dislike my mother because my mom's white. I don't dislike white people because I tend to have a white attitude. I speak English just as good as anyone else. I'm educated. You know, I don't speak Spanish fluently. So to me, it gave me a lot of thought, you know, as he was saying, talking about the Mexican culture or Im immigrants for that matter, he started talking about, you know, how they're ruining this country. And I just rolled my eyes about that. He started talking about the need for a wall. Now, the border wall has been on, I guess you'd have to say, both both political parties, Republican and Democrat. But what makes it more fearful is that the way that he talked about the people, the Mexican people, the Mexican-American people, those who legally and illegally. So I started noticing things that people started to develop a fear attitude and anger, why they weren't getting jobs, why they weren't being paid fairly, why they feel threatened. I guess you could say that's a source of fear, if you ask me. People putting a blame or pointing a finger a reason why they can't succeed or prosper. So people like Donald Trump prey upon those kinds of people. And I have to say that, and I am accusing him of that personally. But it's not just him. It's a response to eight years of President Barack Obama. President Barack Obama was also half white, and he's half African-American. His dad, I believe, came from Somalia, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, he is Arabic descent and belief. And, you know, Barack Obama spoke like a well-polished man. Supposedly he was going to get things done. 
and he did to a point, but he did face a majority Republican rule of the Congress and the Senate. So it's kind of like a big deal. So a lot of thing, a lot of people over those years, in those eight years, accused you know Brock not being sensitive or caring to the white and only caring to the black people, you know, our African African Americans. At least that's the assumed thing. But I didn't believe it. You know, yeah, he had some tendencies to be, I don't know, extra friendly in the public view when it came to publicity events, you know, like the way he would shake a white man's hand versus a black man's hand. So it's kind of like, you know, I guess in response to the way that people are greeted, you know, so it's like kind of like playing to both sides, but still getting back to the fear of it all. So Donald Trump started lying and saying things about my people, at least my father's side, and telling people how bad we were. But I don't see that. I really don't see that at all. You know, yeah, there are some bad people in any culture, in any society. But to blame them for the reason why the country is failing you know, then he went on to um, talking about how, like, the government standards and regulations on the environment and business and trade tariffs and taxes has gotten out of hand. He did have some merits, but not enough. So that was an example of fear. And ever since he's been president, he's always stayed in the headlines, always denying, always lying, pretty much. So it's, like, hard to respect him. And this media's play up to it. They propel like, you know, oh, he's doing this or oh, that's doing that. So it's kind of like make, making people fearful. Now, we live in a technological society. And the thing with living in a technological society, that means that things are going to be run streamlined and more efficient. So the use of an actual human being doing a job is not as a need. Companies want to make big profits and reduce the cost that it takes to employ a workforce. I mean, think about it. If you can have a machine do the work of 10 people versus 10 people and paying for their benefits, paying for their taxes, what are you going to choose? But the thing is, is there's got to be a limit. A limit on you have to put people to work in order to buy your product. And you can't leave monopolies to certain companies. And that's really what's happened. I guess you'd have to say in the last hundred years that this movement of monopolies of going to superstores, supermarkets, department stores, buying out brands and selling them supposedly at cheap prices. But over time, those cheap prices went to industry prices. Industry prices are what the company feels they deserve for making the product and supplying it to you. So that really rose awareness to me. And as I started walking around, I started seeing buildings with former department stores in their shadows, like 
the actual sign was taken down, but the shadow imprint on the actual building is still there to, to this day. You know, companies that have shut down or maybe they've reduced the amount of stores they're open. You know, um, I remember when Wards or Montgomery Wards was a well-known brand, shut its doors, I believe about 25 years ago. I could be wrong, but I started seeing where Montgomery Wards used to be, empty building. And then some companies like Target would buy out those older buildings. And they're constantly trying to change towards the times. People are doing online shopping versus coming into a store. Is that creating a problem? I believe it is to a point. But it's going back to a time where we had catalog shopping. Catalog shopping, you chose from a book, and at one point you waited in the mail for however long it took, and it arrived at your door, and hopefully it was a good product, and it was well-received. So it definitely made people more aware. And then when the department stores came about, those catalogs went from to your serve to your house or sent to your house to you can actually go someplace. You could go like an amazement. I mean, can you imagine going into a Macy's or a Penney store in the 30s and 40s? They look like mausoleums with a with a clerk at every post or counter. I mean, these are pictures and things I read about. And I can even remember my own childhood in the 70s and 80s of going into a department store, seeing a clerk at every stand, every department, whether it be perfume, men's shoes, men's slacks, men's suits, and even noticing the women's departments as well as you know, their undergarments or casual wear or formal wear, suitcase. There was always someone at a certain section of the department store to best serve and advise each customer. Well, now that's going away for now. It's given way to online shopping. Online shopping, like places like Amazon, you can go and actually look at the product but the real question that comes up always in my mind is the product listed online going to be the fit that I supposedly size myself to. That can be very scary at times. Anyway, getting back to my point. So people have worked a long time. If I give my loyalty and my dedication to a company, I'll have job security. I'll have provisions and a great place to promote product and consistency. Very interesting to me because now those are changing. It seems like jobs are, you know, like that are falling off and it's creating a pandemic. People are scared. These national brands, these national department stores are no longer the powerhouses that they once were. Why? Well, that I'm going to challenge you to think for yourself. Anyhow, as I was walking around and we're talking about fear and you're listening to um, the radio, for example, 
or you're even watching YouTube, there's always an ad of someone telling you how to make $100,000 in a month. Someone always telling you about prosperity. The message is, if you don't act now, you'll be left in the dust. Or if you don't get your education, you won't be able to have a job for the future. So I was reading an article just the other day, and I just I just typed up careers or for the future. And let me read off a few of the careers. Top five, 15 fastest growing occupations from 2016 to 20. 26. Number one is solar energy technician. Number two, wind energy technician. Home health aides, number three. Number four, personal care aides. Number five, physician assistants. Number six, nurse practitioners. Number seven, statisticians. Number eight, physical therapist assistants. Number nine, application software developers. Number 10, mathematicians. 11, physical therapy aides. Number 12, bicycle repair. Number 13, this was really interesting, genetic counselors. 14, medical assistants. And 15, occupational therapists. Now, the one that caught my attention was the genetic... um, Hold on, I have to go back a screen. Genetic counselors. What does that exactly mean? Because that's brand new to me. Kind of reminds me of that movie Gattaca with Ethan Hawke. And I believe Uma Thurman was in it. And in that movie, they were talking about the survival of the human race is going to be based on human genetics. In order to go to another planet where Earth was dying, Parents had to genetically modify their own children before they were even born so that they could have a chance of being stronger, smarter, and a superhuman being to go off onto the next planet. But even though it's all good in theory, there's a fear about it. What about the rest of us who are born naturally? Uninterrupted? not specially modified, just normal. Well, in the movie, Ethan Hawke's character, he was supposedly and statistically the lack. Couldn't compete with his brother. Couldn't compete in any, you know, facet. But it showed through different scenes that he could swim faster than his brother. He would push harder and try harder. So he faked it. Uh, a person's identity to get into the qualification of the Gattaca program, which is to send them off to another planet while the rest of us die here in planet Earth. How scary is that? So when I saw this genetic counselor, it it did kind of create a little bit of a fear. I think about the own my own inadequacies and what my children are following. Am I smart enough? Am I giving them the right tools? It's all part of fear. It's instituted fear. Now, I'm a firm believer you can do really anything you want. 
It doesn't matter where you come from, how tall you are, how fat you are, how skinny you are, how smart you are. You can do anything. You can change your life at any time. It's a personal choice. There is limited physical limitations after a certain age, and I agree with that. But essentially, you really can do whatever you want. It's the trick. It's the lie that you're told, well, you don't have enough education. You're not trained in certain things. You don't quite qualify. But if you looked at that, you could feel depressed. You could feel like I'm not worth it. You could give up on life. That's where I'm kind of curious. I even thought those thoughts myself. Well, I didn't go to law school the way I needed to. I didn't get my MBA. I didn't go to a top 10 college. But then I started realizing I went to college. And I went to law school. But they weren't the biggest, baddest names of the industry. They weren't a Stanford. They weren't a Yale. They weren't a Princeton or Harvard. But it doesn't take away from who I am or how I do the job. Granted, some of these institutions do offer a slight edge above other people because of their reputation. But in the news, they've been showing how there's been scams of the rich manipulating the chances for their children to be into college. But I'm not really going to dive into that. Anyway, so there's this fear. People have lost their jobs and want to be retrained. They go after these trade schools like LVNs, nursing assistants, and so on and so forth. But some of these jobs are disappearing. So have you thought about the future for your children? I come to think that for my children, some of the basic old school careers like dentists, plumbers, electricians, um, even construction, they're still going to be in need. But to a point, AI and robotics will be taking advantage of some of those. But the thing is, is our social responsibility to all that has to be made aware. If we keep buying the cheapest thing, we're always going to get the cheapest result, and yet we're cheated, if you really think about it. So fear is like a proponent. Are you going to lose your job? Are you going to lose your home? Right now, housing prices are astronomical, and there's no control in sight. People talk about the other big fear, the economy going bust. And some people are saying, oh, save a lot of money, don't buy, wait for it to bust, and buy low. But the real question is, is the dollar going to be valuable enough for that to even work? People don't think about that. So when you hear entrepreneurs saying and what they've always done and businessmen, you know, buy low, sell high. That cycle has been going on way too long. And is it going to be able to sustain itself for the future? In my opinion, it won't, which leads way to the monopolies of the world. Well, that's for something that you need to think about and you need to divulge. But for the sake of purpose of growth, just remember, taking your own personal time, decide, is it an agreement that I'm making or disagreement? And what am I going to do with those decisions? Am I going to react or respond? It takes a little bit more careful time. Well, that's all the time we have on Take a Walk with Jason B. It's been a 
little bit since I've been able to post. And just remember, fears are only temporary as long as you let them. Thank you, and we'll look forward to hearing from you.